James Platt, the movie Metropolis, calls this film a throwback to the early Disney live-action films that coasted on their premises and were content to provide lightweight entertainment and nothing more. Martin Spriggs, a low-IQ Canadian, said it's the first American movie to explore the link between processed cheese and the need for love. And Letterboxd user Tony Spaghetti warns audiences, don't watch this movie on acid. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we are joined by special guest Brian Box Brown to decide the fate of 1995's Heavyweights. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. Welcome to Camp. Welcome to Camp Hope. Camp to Hope. Camp, camp Ruined Childhood. Well, camp ruined. Uh, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Yes, no. it is It is Child Star Month. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and we're, we're talking about uh, talking about heavyweights today. But first, Dan. One more thing. Any one more things about Explorers? One more things about Explorers? Uh, no. I don't have anything. I have it's perfect I, as is. I have nothing other than to just recommend it because people that I've a lot of people that I've talked to since uh, since watching it and since we recorded that episode, a lot of people that I've talked to just weren't familiar with it and didn't know about it. And then you're like, well, it was yeah, yeah. It's got starts Ethan Hawke and River Phoenix, and they're like, oh wow, great cast. I'm like, yeah, it was both of their first movies. Yeah, they're like, oh really? Why didn't I hear about this? Well, it was released the day before Live Aid and like two weeks after Back to the Future. Oh yeah. So highly recommend just checking and the Joe Dante filmography in general is just worth especially right uh i know you know right now we're all kind of trying to find exciting way ways to make staying home and and social distancing fun and exciting and you know it's a great movie night it's a good family family friendly movie i would say for ages like eight and up yeah uh, definitely so it's if you have a project if you are watching your movies outdoors uh it it was the it was kind of a perfect movie to watch outside mm-hmm. and i think i said that <laughs> yeah i think so <laughs> yeah but anyway exp- like just watch go wa- give give that movie a a view and roll with it it gets a little weird but it's worth it in the end oh it gets so weird i i think that for me and a lot of my like one more things come out while i'm editing because it gives me a chance to like listen to the episode as more of just a listener rather than an active participant. And because I like to put in clips from movies that we talk about, it's funny because I don't think that I put in a single clip from Explorers in the movie, but I put in plenty of other clips aside from like the, the score during the synopsis. But I going back and I put in the clip from, or not even the clip, just the line that Keanu Reeves says in Parenthood about Gary slapping, slapping the salami. The salami. Oh. <laughs> Watching that scene and both Keanu Reeves and Diane Weist, who I'm telling you, I have turned the corner from like, I don't know, I would not quite Martha Plimpton to Diane Weist in Parenthood, but like, you know, <laughs> Diane Weist, I see her and I'm just like, man, Diane Weist just got it going on. 
but like the scene with the two of them is so <laughs> good. I love it. We'll talk about Diane Weist has got it going <laughs> on. Uh, no, she's so funny, and and Keanu Reeves is perfect in that role. I love it so much. So, yeah, and. As a Diane Weist fan, I also have to recommend, because I don't know that we will ever devote an episode to it, 1987's Radio Days, which, uh, mm. you know, that if you can if you can watch a Woody Allen movie yeah, without that's... thinking about Woody Allen. Woody and, Allen. And you hear, it, it, like, I, I find, bull- uh, so Bullets Over Broadway, which she's phenomenal, won the, won the Academy Award for her work in that. And I haven't seen it in a long time, but I feel like I could almost do that one because he's not in it. Mm. He's not, he doesn't do the narration radio days. He does the narration. Right. So you hear yeah. his voice and yeah. And the yeah. thing is like, I've been wanting to watch Hannah and her sisters for like the longest time, but I just like can't bring myself to do it. It has so many great performances in it. I, I mean, as do so many of Woody Allen's films that, yeah, it it's, it's a little tough to watch ones, especially that like he's in. Right. And then there's Deconstructing Harry, which I just think that one has been erased from memory. Mm. But I remember seeing that one in, in the theater. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He's especially unlikable in it. So, yeah. anyway, Well, let's not waste Diane any more Weist. time. Let's not waste any more time. Let's not. Let's, uh, let's introduce our guest. So joining us today is one of our hometown homies. Not only is he the author of the uh, the new graphic novel, Child Star, I almost like held it up again, like I did on that other episode, uh, but also uh, graphic non-fictions. Is that how you would describe them? Graphic non-fictions? Yes. It's, yeah. it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> uh, about uh, the likes of Andre the Giant, Andy Kaufman, Tetris, Weed. Uh, and But aside from that, he's also the the brother of one of my favorite people in the world, my buddy, Jenny Brown, Brian Box Brown. What up, dude? Welcome. Hey. Uh, so, Brian, you requested that we cover heavyweights on this episode. Mm-hmm. And we obliged. Yeah. Happily, Happily obliged. I'd never uh, seen it before. I hadn't seen whoa. it first time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I And I feel like I remembered seeing you tweet something, Brian, about heavyweights, like not too long ago. So when yeah, you said- Yeah, I definitely was watching it. <laughs> so when you said, when you said this one, I was like, absolutely. And it really fed into, you know, we've been doing a lot of these like themed months. So for mm-hmm. us to do a themed month on movies about child stars well, or featuring child stars I, in a kind of weird, sad, awkward irony, lit actual ruined childhoods. Yeah. 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 Not, which I think <laughs> kind of slipped through the radar on explorers, but yeah. yeah, but, and I mean, and with explorers and, and as we'll also talk about with heavyweights, you know, it's really interesting to see just the vastly different paths. Like we talked about Ethan Hawke and River Phoenix really ending up in different places and what yeah. factors might yeah. have. So I'm really interested to talk to you having done the research and and really written the story. Yeah. There's a ton of a ton of child actors and heavyweights. Yeah. Well, like that, all child actors. <laughs> I know. It kind of fits perfectly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so why don't I go through a synopsis and then we'll talk, we'll go run through the cast list and talk about some of the 
amazing child stars and yeah. adult stars who later went on to do some pretty <laughs> amazing things. And kind of early versions of some characters that popped up later on. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Synopsis time. And then, uh, Brian, after I'm done with this, you can tell me all the things I either got wrong or all the <laughs> important things that I missed. Okay. Chipmunks, download now! After his parents send him to Camp Hope, a summertime getaway for thick boys, in hopes that he'll shed a few LBs, Jerry Garner ends up meeting a bunch of like-minded and like-figured kids and adults who just want to have fun and be themselves. But their summer of sweets and salamis is turned on its side after the camp's owners announce that they've sold the camp to Tony Perkis Jr., the son of Tony Perkis, you guessed it, Sr., the owner of a chain of lighting stores. Tony Perkis Jr. is the brains behind a new exercise program called Perkisizing, and he wants to use the camp, sorry, exploit the summer camp to act as his infomercial shoot. Quickly, Perkis and his goons take over the camp and make the kids' and adults' lives a living hell especially for Jerry's bunk, the Chipmunks, and Pat, who is not only the favorite counselor, but also the camp spokesperson who appears in the camp's promotional video. However, what Perkis doesn't realize is that he's dealing with some pretty smart kids. After they band together and imprison Perkis, they reveal to their parents on visitation day that Perkis is terrorizing the kids. After informing Tony Perkis Sr., the camp gets handed back into safer hands, those of counselor Pat. Because that's how things work. The job goes to the person who's been there the longest. So I know I didn't mention anything about like the rival camp and their, you know, the ultimate climax where they compete against them in like their little summer camp Olympics, which is hilarious. Well, it's it, honoring the the grand tradition of the, you know, like kind of in in Revenge of the Nerds, the mm-hmm. competition, the old school, not necessarily old school, but more like Revenge of the Nerds type of competition where the the underdogs win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this this movie also came out in 95, which is probably around the same year that Mr. Show did their monks versus fat yes. kids uh, <laughs> sketch, which is so funny. All right, we got our work cut out for us. Tomorrow is the big 500 summer Olympic can, and we got to figure out how we're going to beat those rich snobs from the fat kids camp. <laughs> William Van Landingham. The third, my dear boy. Good luck tomorrow. We've beaten you for the past 500 years, and tomorrow we're making it 501. I watched that also this month. Oh, I've been, yeah, I've started rewatching Mr. Show, but I haven't gotten to that one yet, but it's just a classic. They, um, so like, there's like two villains in this movie, right? Like, if they, I mean, if we're going to believe that the the climax of the film is the winning of the the like competition with like the, the the other camp then like they're the villains but also Ben Stiller's the villain right but also Jerry's dad is kind of the the, the villain at the beginning i'd say yeah 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 uh, Jeffrey yeah. Tambor <laughs> Jeffrey Tambor yeah 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 but then he he kind of redeems himself at the end. He does, he does. Yeah. yeah. But at first, it's just like all he he's he goes on visitation. He's like, "You haven't lost a pound." And he's, yeah, I don't he was know, a, just he's like a, a jerk, jerk, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, even yeah. a classic yeah. jerk, classic nineties yeah. jerk. <laughs> good role Indeed. for good, wisely cast. I thought. Right, and it Absolutely. and it makes sense. I mean, this movie was uh, co-written by Judd Apatow, 
who oh, yeah. was, you know, a disciple of Gary Shandling. Oh, yeah. I mean, who, he wrote on who, um, uh, Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders, mm-hmm. yeah, with yeah. featuring Jeffrey Tambor. Jeffrey Tambor, yeah. Hey, now! Made that great documentary about Shandling, too. Yeah. Oh, that damn. is really good. It's yeah, so, I, good. I, so good. I, like, cried at that at, during one part of that, I remember. I definitely did, yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's go through the cast a little bit. Uh, mm. I, I'm going to start with some of the adults. So Ben Stiller is both Tony Perkis's junior and senior, <laughs> and a precursor, as Dan was alluding to, as in his role in Dodgeball. Yeah, I loved how his dad was in it, and then he didn't. Yeah. But his dad, he didn't play his dad. <laughs> yeah, well, they were too good. Stiller and Mira, Jerry Stiller and Ann Mira, as uh, Harvey and Alice Bushkin, the original owners of the, the camp. real owner of the camp, the true owners. Yeah, I thought they were. Uh, I thought Jerry Stiller was was you know restrained. Yeah. Mm. Greetings, campers. Hi, hi, hi! You'll get it. That's the greatest sound I've heard in a long time. Harvey and I are saddened and dismayed to announce that we are no longer the owners of Camp Hope. What? What are you talking about? Sometimes in life, things don't work out the way you plan. And in those situations, sometimes you file Chapter 9 bankruptcy. We've worked our whole life. What do we have to show? Nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I do you think just that he was him. like he was restrained because he was trying not to upstage his son, and like in in his movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean clearly I'm, they were yeah. like there for a day, and it's yeah. just like <laughs> let's get it in and out. Um, we have Tim Blake Nelson is a oh, small yeah. a small yeah. character. He goes in to kind of advertise. The, is that mm-hmm. a common thing? I mean, like I went to a summer camp. I don't remember somebody coming to our house with a video, especially when like the camp talks? is like states away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Enough for a flight. That's a lot of outreach. Re- it yeah. reminded me of when I was sent away for three weeks one summer to the, the, the program up at Wellesley College in Massachusetts where uh, exploration where huh. I did not, this was not my choice. I didn't go by choice. I did. I ended up having a fine time, but what was and it the, wasn't a fat was camp the program there. It was, it was like a, it was kind of like a college electives program. Like you oh. went and it was after my freshman year in high school, summer 92. So I went, but I didn't like, they signed me up for it. Now I don't really think anyone came to the house. Mm hmm. There may have been a promotional VHS video. Oh, I'm not 100% on that, but yeah, there definitely I, were for the summer camps I went to. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, no, there was no Tom McGowan co- was not in them. There, there was no, you know, slightly, you know, sleazy camp salesman coming to the house, right? Probably, fo- I bet you there were sleazy phone salesmen, probably, almost definitely. Yeah, yeah, we'd have to ask the parents about. Well, not like modern day parents, like our parents. Yeah. <laughs> uh, clearly, we have the internet now. We don't need all that kind of stuff. Um, so we've also, so yeah, we've got Tom McGowan as Pat, who's great, who essentially looks like a grown up version of Jerry. Oh, Jerry. I know. I was oh, like, yeah. uh, how, now he has to be his dad at the end of the movie. Like, that's why there's, it just kind of ends at the climax with yeah. no denouement at all. No. Because, like, who needs what's it? he going to do? He has to, like, become 
Jerry's dad at that point. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. they're like, <laughs> by the way, I'm also your father. Yeah. And he I mean, it is kind of the all. natural, it does seem like a natural progression for that art. Yeah. And the other thing is that that guy, Pat's life sucks. Like, yeah. he, he was going to this camp for like 20 years, like, and he was still, still so unconfident and and like just just as insecure as the child whose first summer it was and who was 18 years younger (laughs) yeah i feel like we witness his like first kiss when he's like 40 years old (laughs) yeah and and not to be a not to be a i don't want to be a dick but like is he really the best person to be the spokesperson for the camp why not the paul feig character who lost the weight and if you're advertising it as you know, a weight loss program, why would you be like, this guy's been coming here forever and is, hasn't really changed. He never lost any weight. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So speaking of, of Paul Feig, who clearly has gone on to be an awesome director, Brian, are you a ski patrol fan? No, I don't really. Oh, is that like the the 80s movies? You will be. It was, was it 90, 91 Eight, or something? 89, okay, 90, 90, yeah. yeah okay. So he was in that, and that's what I remember him the most from. He was like Stanley, okay. and he does like some sort of dance in that one too. He does it in drag. He does they they oh, right. do um. Is it dancing in the streets? It's like him yes. and TK TK, TK Carter TK Carter. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We're, we're gonna come back to ski patrol at some point at some point yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah Natural paul feig that's what i remember him from but he was just yeah. like the lanky doofy funny guy and uh he's so, great in this he's always like yeah. he's always p- getting pissed off and yeah yeah i love him at the dance the dance scene yeah is he fantastic. does a funny dance yeah. yeah he's good at the funny dance so let's talk a little bit about the kids uh aaron schwartz plays jerry and uh I I found an interview with him. There's a lot of interesting things about him. One uh, one thing especially is that he was also in the Adventures of Pete and Pete, Hometown Homies. Nice. <laughs> Pete, Adventures of Pete and Pete, which filmed in our our hometown yes. for its third season. It Brian, all comes you, back. Were to you Cranford. ever an extra in it? Because I no, feel like the no, entire town. I was. Uh, I Jenny did. was. My sister was. Yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, did like the cattle call situation mm-hmm. i remember we all waited in line and then they like took our photos and like filled out a card because they like needed so many extras or whatever yeah yeah uh dan did you were you part of that at all you were you were I, older so i was in college i think it was my freshman year in college i mm-hmm. got called for it oh yeah but yeah but i couldn't go because i was in new brunswick and it must have been like I, my freshman year because I think yeah. that might have been the only year I didn't have a car on campus. Uh, okay. Yeah, they so they actually they called for our brother Scott and then our mom was like can his little brother do it too? Meaning yeah. me. And so we we both went to like Was she nice. like in the spirit of the show? Yeah. <laughs> about brotherhood, about brothers. Uh you, What episode was it? Dude? We were in an episode called Last Laugh. It was the April Fool's Day episode nice. that features like a lot, like a, a massive amount of creamed corn and Adam West, which was okay. like so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the enemy. Notice the abundance of freckles, the innocent smile. Don't let it fool you. He's a killer. 
Meet Principal Ken Schwinger, the most despised principal in Wellsville history. It wasn't the mandatory squat thrusts or the creamed corn lunches that made him so hated. It was eight V-necked dweebs called the Up With Personal Hygiene Singers. Every year, Schwinger inflicted their good hygiene jamboree on the helpless kids of Wellsville. That show is so good. Was like Iggy Pop there or like Michael Stipe? They weren't in our episode, but yeah, that show just had the most amazing guest stars on it. And just filmed for a season in Cranford. Yeah. Yeah. That was the end of it, right? Yeah. Was that the last season? I did later get to do some extra work on Ed when it was filming in oh, right. Westfield. Uh, Westfield High. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was subbing there. So I just kind of. They filmed got... like a lot of dumb stuff in Cranford. Like, yeah. There's a, that movie. There's a movie. So they rebooted. Well, um, guess who's coming to dinner? Right. With yes. Austin oh, that's Kutcher. Right. Bernie Mac. In the, in the reverse race, Sidney Poitier right. role. <laughs> And yes. for some reason, that that movie takes place in Cranford. Like it's filmed in Cranford, but it also takes place it there. It takes like, place there I didn't in know. a yeah. fictional Cranford. Yes, it is called. They like Cranford. mentioned. They mentioned the name of the town. That's really funny. Oh, not to go on too much of a tangent, but if you remember a movie called Far from Heaven, Todd Haynes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Todd Haynes, who now is, is a Portland dude, which is set in Connecticut. But in one scene, it's like in the opening credits, I think and she's scene, picking yeah. up she's picking up her daughter and you see the like New Jersey transit welcomes you to Cranford that yeah. had just been painted. And yeah. I was really I was like, I think surprised. that I'm going to have I think I'm right. going to probably have Todd Haynes on the, the podcast that I do for the Portland Art Museum and the, the Northwest Film Center. So uh, I'll have to ask him about that and be oh, like, how a, dare you make that mistake? <laughs> I'm a big Todd <laughs> Haynes fan, like, but and I'll be like, and yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> love Todd Haynes so, yeah so um back to heavyweights yeah, Aaron so, Schwartz right so Aaron Schwartz who uh, has since slimmed up quite a bit uh he actually got like really bulky but uh he talks a bit about his experience uh in this on this one website that's like all about health and fitness and stuff and uh, there were a couple things that I wanted to talk about because he was also in um the Mighty Ducks so I, you're going to like this. So he says, when I was seven, the first Batman came out with Michael Keaton. I was living on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And one day while walking down the block with my mom, I saw Mr. Keaton sitting on an apple box as a makeup person applied finishing touches before a scene. I looked around and noticed they were actually filming a movie. As PAs tried to wrangle my mom and I across the street to prep for a next shot, I stopped and told my mom that I wanted to ask Keaton a question. Another actor, Anthony LaPaglia, was on set. <sighs> They were filming One Good Cop, and unable to reach Keaton, I bothered him instead and interrogated him on how I could be in the movies. Uh, within minutes, he gave me a checklist on how I could begin to work in the business. And uh, Anyway, so we owe it all to Anthony LaPaglia, Benny the Blade. Bobby the, Bobby the, Bobby Blade. the Blade. Bobby the Blade? Bobby the Blade. So was he... Oh, Barry, it, Barry, Barry, Barry. Blade. Is he, Barry the Blade. Was he in The Sopranos? LaPaglia? No, no but when he... He was in Analyze That, and he was playing an actor playing a Tony Soprano-like character. Wow. Okay. Well, because, well, you know, so, yeah, and when he was, when he wasn't playing the part, he was actually speaking in his native Australian accent, and it's crazy. But yeah, Robert De Niro comes on as, like, an advisor to the show, so. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, 
So, but, but he also yeah, says, yeah. So he also says uh, about heavyweights. I was on occasion teased for my weight. That definitely wasn't fun getting teased by famous kids. But after heavyweights came out, the teasing seemed to subside. That's one major aspect of being involved with that movie that still gives that still gives me pride. It gave the little chubsters a group to belong to. It gave us power in social settings that we never had before. So like heavyweights did good for these kids. Yeah. And it's like we don't often necessarily first think of, you know, uh, overweight people as a marginalized group in society. But I I mean, it's true. And there is a a thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, there's fat phobia for sure. I was that like I related a lot to Jerry while I was watching this. The scene where he talks about why he wants so badly to drive the go kart. Oh, yeah. I was watching it and I was just like, that's why I drive fast. I, I like I think I said it out loud. I was like, that's why I drive fast, because I was always like the slowest kid in in gym class. Hey, how about a ride out of here? Did this place always stink this much? No, Jerry, this place used to stink very little. In fact. Didn't stink at all. Yeah, well, it does now. I thought at least I'd be able to ride the go-karts. Never ridden one. You really like them, huh? I'm so slow. It would have been cool to go fast. Really fly, you know? Thought I'd be good at it. Really? Mm. That's interesting. So, you think you'd be able to handle those hairpin turns? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You think you'd be able to handle that powerful engine? Yeah. Well, let's see what you got, Gardner. I mean, this movie kind of came out like after it was an appropriate age for me to want to watch it, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I still wanted to watch it. Like I still watched it and was interested in it because I related as a, as a fat kid growing up to the plight, like the fear of fat camp. I mean, I think, I think, I don't know if my mom used it as like a motivational tool, but like I, I knew it was a thing and it was scary. It was like a scary idea to me. And also like, it's so I was thinking about the camp genre, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's very few camp films really. I mean, we think of the camp genre as like this broad defined thing. We're like, Oh, there's meatballs. There's, uh, but there's not that. So there's Ernest goes to camp, camp nowhere. And this movie was came out. 
which came out in the same year, right? I, I mean, Camp, like Camp Nowhere might have been the like the following year. I don't right. Okay, so uh, ninety four, the year before. Oh, year the year before. before. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when I was a kid, there was a TV movie called Poison Ivy that was about camp, and it had Michael J. Fox and Daphne Zuniga in it. Dad, was Nancy McCann Spaceballs? Was Nancy yeah. McCann in that as well? Uh, Joe from Wait, no, Facts of it Life. It was Nancy McCann. No, oh, it, it was Nancy McCann. Nancy McCann. And oh, so, yes. To me, to me, that is that is like the quintessential camp movie. And even though that no one else even knows what it is, like, so they had like Color War, mm-hmm. which is the the thing that they're having where they're fighting. That's actually an intramural thing, but. It's a competition among the campers um, and they were all horny and like trying to get laid the whole time. So then there's also meatballs, right? Was yeah. that like the first one? Did that start the genre? Well, uh, parent, parent trap has parent a trap. sequence. Okay. That's true. Yeah. Oh, add Adam's family values to that. Adam's to family values. Yeah. One of the greatest. <laughs> really good. Which it's also really has good. inappropriate representation of native Americans in it. Oh, yeah. Sharing that with heavyweights. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, that and that's also largely well, that's the point. satire. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of yeah this subgenre, and I'm having total recall here with Poison Ivy. I'm just having yeah. like flashes of I have no context for what I'm seeing, but it's very green. Um, it's like uh, <laughs> it was like it, I, we, I watched it not that long ago, and like it looks very inappropriate because the chill the kids in it are like age appropriate where they're like actually 12 instead of being played by 15 or 16 year olds, like Mm. acting like they're 12 or something like that. And they're like doing such like fucked up shit. And I was like, wow, this is really like bad message. It's worse kind of than, than meatballs, which meatballs appears always to be like this romp sex comedy thing, but it is like the tamest nerdiest like it's not even a good camp movie, I don't think. Right. It's fun for Bill Murray. Yeah, Bill yeah. Murray's in it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I'm actually. I. I mean, I haven't seen it in almost forty years, probably. But Meatballs yeah. Two, I remember just being more like batshit weird, funny, yeah, it's like. Weird. Like yeah. there's an alien and alien, like yeah. the Richard Mulligan from Empty Nest is in it, and Pee Wee Herman or Paul Rubens not oh, as right. Pee-wee Herman. So they um, made. Yeah. Yeah, three. See, there was four. All right, there's four meatballs movies. <laughs> that's that's crazy. where. Yeah, Corey Feldman. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just like the strength of Bill Murray, like playing yeah. this weird character. And and Dan, yeah. by the way, you just mentioned um, Corey Feldman, who's one of the other child He's actors in... that we've talked about before. But uh, Corey Feldman is in the the movie that is currently, although probably on hold, filming. Stigma raised in Hollywood, which is a um about child stars, which is written by Aaron Schwartz. Isn't isn't it a documentary? Y- yes, I, I mean it's it's a documentary. So did he? Is that the same as the? Did he do another documentary recently? So the summary, the, the plot one, yeah. summary on IMDb says: When former child star Aaron Schwartz returned to the acting world as an adult, he found himself always being asked the recurring question. How is he still normal after being a child star? After seeing one too many sensationalized where they know publications, he began to notice that being a child actor carried the stigma that seemed impossible to break. Aaron explores why the stigma of being raised in Hollywood exists and why child stars are so often misunderstood. I mean, yeah, the other one was like 
more pedophilia specific. Oh. Right. Well, there's the yeah. Well, I mean, Corey Corey Feldman, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've talked quite a bit. We've we've been doing Corey Feldman's come up in like every episode the past I don't know twenty episodes. I mean, probably. he was like the child Jack Nicholson or something in the eighties. Like well, he was like yeah. in everything. He was you know in well, every. He was in so many things as a child. Yeah, because we Gremlins came up and right. Mm-hmm. We were talking, yeah. In the last episode, we talked about the Gremlins, the Burbs. Uh, we were talking about. I don't know if we talked about Goonies, but he's in Stand by Me. We talked yeah. about Goonies and Stand by Me, but we also uh, did an episode on the Lost Boys, and yeah, oh, it's just like so many. Yeah, he's man, so many movies. His uh, his autobiography choreography, I think it's called. <laughs> uh, the last when I was getting my last tattoo my tattoo artist was listening to the audio book of it. So we were just like listening to that while Maybe I was getting I'll my, my latest tattoo. Good. Yeah. Um, so there is uh, a strange appeal to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was so much fun. Also, we have to talk about one of the other stars, Keenan Thompson. We all know what happened to Keenan Thompson. Mm-hmm. No question there. Uh, yeah. But let's talk about Sean Weiss, who is uh. probably most recognizable from like the mighty ducks who was you know um aaron schwartz is also in that oh i smell something so he is one of the the victims of like child star syndrome basically (laughs) who uh let's see if his the wikipedia article says in July 2017 uh weiss was sentenced to 150 days in the la county jail for petty theft Served just 12 days due to overcrowding. Five days after his release, he was arrested for possession of a controlled substance, meth, uh, and was sentenced to 90 days in jail. He was arrested the weekend of August 3rd, 2018 for public intoxication. Uh, Then he went to rehab. And then he was arrested on suspicion of burglary and being under the influence of meth on January 26th of this year. And... Which is funny because there was an article that came out that was like celebrating his like 170 days of sobriety. So I read that like he turned to meth after like his parents died and went to de- depression. And it's just like, right. Yeah. But, you know, so access this, to that is probably due to, you know, connections. This kid and, yeah. um, from New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, Bergen County, I believe. And so he was on Pee Wee's Playhouse as like yeah, a five-year-old. Elvis. Yeah, his name was Elvis. Oh, that's right. Season yeah. one only because they filmed season one in New York, and they and mm. they had like these kids that came over. And when they moved to LA in season two, they had new kids. So, uh, but season one, it was that kid was one kid, and then the other kid was Natasha Leone. No shit. Yeah, and then another. You know, there was a third kid, and then in season two. One of the kids was a, a somewhat famous child actor, a girl who was in Curly Sue, like Curly uh, Sue. Allison Porter. Her, yes. Of Also of Parenthood. And Parenthood, right. right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but oh, yeah, that kid, wow. and then, you know, he was in All Mighty Ducks and and, uh, and, uh, and that. And, and, uh, yeah, he was Goldberg yeah. in Mighty Ducks. And he is in Freaks and Geeks. Freaks and Geeks, he shows he up again. Show yeah. Freaks and Geeks, yeah. Yeah, probably the the probably, Apatow, bet, Paul Feig I know, connection must have been that connection. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and he's so funny, he's so great, and it's just really unfortunate the way that things you know 
and turned out for him. He was kind of like perfect in all of those roles that, you know, he, he had a yeah. charm. He had an ability. He wasn't, he played the roles that he needed to play like perfectly fast. Yeah. It was exactly what it, they needed for that role. Yeah. Yeah. And he's so Agreed. funny in heavyweights. He gets like sent off and he returns and acts like he's been lobotomized. <laughs> it's so funny. Josh, what's wrong? What did they do to you? Josh, speak to me. Were you in jail? The nut house? Josh, it's me, Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> Funny, Josh. But really, what happened, man? Talk to us. Josh was bad. Oh, man. Oh, jeez. Josh, now good. Good? What, what do you mean? Must be good to see my big ass again. Oh, <laughs> Josh, Josh, I like you better with the lobotomy. So Josh, what really happened? It's uh, but it's such a great. I love that reference. It, like it's because to me, it's it's cuckoo's nest. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's that scene in Cuckoo's Nest, I think, when, uh, you know, Nicholson mm -hmm. kind of does the same thing. And I was thinking as I was watching the movie and, of course, thinking way too much about it and just the connections. But the yeah, exactly. So just the connections between, you know, mental health and, uh, you know, eating disorders, right. uh, mm -hmm. weight issues, uh, you know, and kind of the the cycle. So I thought it was such a sharp reference to throw that in because and because it's a kid's movie. And yeah. but the parents, it's it's one of those that I think it both speaks to like, OK, we're going to throw something in there for the for the parents, which I'm not always a big fan of. But right. Uh, well, this wasn't like a sex joke or something like the type right. of thing that they would normally right. do. Yeah. No, no, no. It was perfectly natural and and it works on the level of just it's Josh being Josh. But and then, of course, because I'm thinking about it too much, I'm making this connection. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, it kind of is like that. That one flew over the cuckoo's nest mentality where like it's us versus versus them. Right. And we need to Not do sure. what we can do to subvert the power. Yeah. Oh, uh, and and one other one other child actor I want to mention in this who didn't uh, do too much acting work is uh, Joseph Wayne Miller who plays Salami Sam. Watch out for Salami Sam! <laughs> and uh, pour one out for Joseph Wayne Miller. He, um, I mean, he died in his sleep. He had like sleep apnea and it was just oh, no. you know a situation Sad. like that. But yeah, I uh, was just kind of going through the kids and saw the stuff about him and i was just like oh that's a bummer he was really fun salami that's sam sad. yeah 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 um but it sounds like he had a you know a decent life while he was keenan thompson he he was like the guy that just like 
never it was strange like his his transition into an adult actor like never happened like it just like he was always this child actor child actor and then he just like one day after many years yeah <laughs> of, he was of young guy on was, snl and now he's old guy on snl yeah like it's just and he you was got to like play I'm, fat albert yeah, yeah i was at yeah. the world premiere of fat albert whoa because hey, that's hey, when hey. Uh, I went to school at Temple University. Go Philly. Go mm-hmm. Owls. And uh, I mean, hate to say it, but Bill Cosby, who was Fat Albert, uh, passed off the torch. And his, I think, thing was like, it's going to premiere in North Philadelphia. And for some reason, I got an invite. Like a bunch of us just got an invite to uh, the premiere. That was before nice. we knew. That was before we knew. Although he was sure. telling us the entire time, but we before we knew. Um, does does Fat Albert take place in North Philly? I don't know if it takes place there. I don't remember if there is like a exact location aside from like junkyard. Yeah, <laughs> any city. There was the say. live action. There was a little live action. Maybe the movie is supposed to take place there. Maybe, but you know, Bill Cosby was you know a yeah. Temple University. Yeah, you know, he probably person. got like money to have it there or something oh i'm sure or like used it to whatever push his criminal agenda so um in terms of also in the cast of heavyweights and going back to the adults for a second alan covert is kenny the like cameraman for uh the percus percusizing oh yeah it's so funny and then also uncredited this the the camp chef is peter berg of like Friday Night Lights. Oh yeah, Peter Berg, like the Peter Berg, uncredited. Yeah, director of many fine Mark Wahlberg films. He directed the the Battleship movie. He's he's done a ton <laughs> of stuff. Hancock. <laughs> he directed. Which I was an extra in. Oh, in Hancock. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Pete and Pete and Pete Hancock. World premiere of quite Fat a resume. <laughs> you are everywhere, man. And what was it? Two weeks, like two episodes ago, you're talking about chilling with Oliver Platt. I wasn't chilling with Oliver Platt. He was at like a Q and A, and then I just like said hi to him afterwards. I wasn't chilling with him. We didn't like go get drinks or anything. Although it was a momentary man, chill. You wanted to? Yeah. I sure did. Oliver Platt? <laughs> you kidding me? I would jump at that chance. So uh, another thing about heavyweights that I love is just how purely 90s it is. It starts off with Closer to Free by the Bodines. Uh, there's a scene where Jerry's wearing a Fire fire Marshal Bill t-shirt. It's just <laughs> yes. like pure 90s. Yeah, right in the center. Right in the center of the 90s. Yeah, it just nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, so... You talked a little bit about how you first became aware of heavyweights. It was just kind of like put in your face and, and everything, but you've come back to it. What is it about sure. it that keeps you coming back? I don't, I don't know. I, I just like it for some reason. I, I love that. It just like makes me happy. Like, I feel like these kids mm-hmm. are like never actually imperiled. Yeah. Uh, and they just like have a good time all summer. <laughs> well, I don't know because Perkis does want Perkis them to like climb like, that. I know, mountain. but, but they're, they're pretty, I mean, such an, yeah. he's such an in, uh, inept, bad guy i have to i have to give a shout out to one of my favorite lines that made me just like bust out laughing so there's the scene where he is imprisoned 
uh, in like the shed or whatever and it's the parents day and like the kid from england is on guard like watching oh, yeah, him yeah. because nicholas. clearly his parents oh, yeah, I nicholas. love that kid i love him nicholas is great is and he then, the one who hooks up at the dance and like when everyone's leaving and he's just still out on the dance floor like hooking up i don't remember which one that why do I, I feel like that was like Nicholas or Salami Sam? Salami, I think it might have been Salami Sam. Might have but, been Salami Sam. So Nicholas is watching him, and Perkis figures out a way, like comes up with a plan to like get out and everything, and he's manipulating uh, Nicholas, and uh, you know, little British kid. And after he uh, like coaxes him over, and he's like, "You've been a good guard, Nicholas. Strong and fair." Your queen, queen would be, be proud. proud. <laughs> <laughs> he was great, and I think that maybe it is the Ben Stiller character that like is so good in it because he's yeah. like amazing as that like fitness obsessed lunatic. Totally, yeah, yeah. And it's like clearly he's in great shape, but he uses mm-hmm. it for good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he knows that he can be funny doing that. Yeah. But anyway, I just love how he says, "Your queen." would be proud of that. So, how about yeah. when like they, they were doing like a uh, like question and answer during the competition and none of them could name a vice president oh, or yeah. vice presidents on the British kid that it which is great commentary <laughs> seriously <laughs> yeah you don't know anything yeah, yeah oh yeah. but by the way so oh yeah so David Bow is the the counselor at the competing camp I forget what they're called and this is the weirdest like like Olympic game type of battle thing that they have where it culminates in a go-kart race and there's Mm a quiz about vice presidents and yeah yeah it's so bizarre it's it's kind of a little bit of the Billy Madison competition at the end too like also the guy that plays the Swedish or counselor Lars Lars. Tom Hodges so that guy I believe was in Revenge of the Nerds too, but I'm not sure. And and also, but what else was that guy in? Because he was he in, was he was in Lucas. Okay, the oh. Hogan family, Revenge of the Nerds two, Nerds in Paradise. There you go. And another uh, Bradley Whitford. Two, the main course, another Bradley Whitford. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going overboard, Steel Magnolias, and Heavyweights. Also in the movie. It's also in the movie. Look, I don't know what that is. I feel like he could have. Uh, I feel like they had a character adjacent to him also in Good Burger. Oh, yeah. But wasn't there like a few like henchmen Good Burger you know, types? I haven't watched Good Burger since probably it came out, which I know <laughs> I need to revisit. Speaking of I wonder Keener. how far after after uh, Heavyweights was Good Burger? Was that uh, a three think that years? Was, or? It was 97, so two years later. Two yeah. years, Just two years later. Yeah. And Keenan had a sh- movie wrapped around this character. Oh, yeah. Well, he was like... One of the biggest standouts from all that. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, you couldn't not love him. He was so good yeah. and all that. Uh, See, I so didn't it just made know. Sense. I, I was, you I were, aged you out. aged out, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's so all, funny because. Yeah, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, because yeah, Brian, I feel like you're, I, I'm what, like two years older than I am probably. Yeah, it was kind of like at the, I only really knew about all these shows because like maybe my sister watched mm-hmm. it or like. I was only always kind of like, oh, it's like Saturday Night Live. But like I was at the point at that point where I was just like getting into actual Saturday Night Live. Mm. You know what I mean? So it was like I was aware of it, but not fully. And then Good Burger was like on HBO all the time. 
And there's mm, tons right. of movies like That's this where it. there's tons and tons of movies like this that I feel like it doesn't exist anymore. Where like you would just watch anything on HBO, like so many dumb movies. I watched the whole thing hundreds of times. Well, we oh, were yeah. all held captive to whatever the programmers decided yeah, we should watch. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so and we like, did. But Good yeah, Burger, I'm like, I have a few parts in that that are funny because I've seen it like a million times. And even if it was just like, you know, you only have like 30 or 40 channels. Like if, if, if it fell in the area where you'd like tolerate a, a movie, you'd watch it. Well, and, and the jackpot was when you would catch a, a daytime PG-13 that might have a little partial nudity, maybe an <laughs> F-bomb or two. And it was... There's a butt. Just one uh, of the guys. Just oh one of the God. guys. That Forget is it. that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Forget it. Oh, just one of the guys. We got to we gotta add that one to the list if it's not already on it. Or some yeah, other iteration of it. Yeah. Yeah, man. If that came out any other time, I don't know if it would have worked. Like, in, in the exact way that it was. It was just, like, so perfect for... First of all, like, it wouldn't. Well, they kind of, like, did just one of the guys a million times, but well, it's right. like, it's like, like that exact version yeah. of it. I mean, it's it's a I forget which one, but it's it's basically it's like Shakespeare. Um, right. I don't I forget if it's Twelfth Night or um, mm-hmm. you know what? It's a Shakespearean device, if not like a direct plot mm-hmm. from Shakespeare. Um, mm-hmm. But and I'm yeah. sure it goes back before that. Several so. several other things like yeah movies yeah. and TV shows. That it, but just one of the buddies. guys. <laughs> Just one of the guys was like a standout and it's oh, iconic yeah. and because it, it was, played. and it yeah, was that, it was, it was that movie. Nonstop. Yeah. That was on all the time. That movie. Yeah. And it was a movie that you'd as like a, a 10, 11, 12, 13 year old or whatever. I would be like, Oh, if I watch this whole movie at the end there, there's a nude yeah. scene. <laughs> I will be rewarded. <laughs> you know when it is always because like, yes. it's never like, is it before or after the scene? Like, no, it's at the end. Yeah, but the movie was also so watchable that it's just like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll watch this. My wife, talk, me and my wife talk about that, and she like had a crush on the, the little brother, the perverted oh, little brother. Oh yeah, torn up all over his walls. Yeah, yeah, oh my yeah. god. Yeah. What a so. what a really special movie that was. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I I want to talk I want to talk okay. about Child Star, but first yes. I want to just um so so on this podcast we talk about what we would do if we were to bring back a particular movie in some way, shape or form. Uh, Dan, I'll start with you. What do you think we would, we would do with heavyweights nowadays? Well, it's, it's kind of like we were talking before the age of the fat camp, I think has, has passed. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, you know, what does that become if, if you're doing it now, now there's, there's a couple of options that would allow you to, do a much more straight up remake of heavyweights. And of course I'm talking about a musical because who doesn't, I mean, musicals with kids and maybe it's just because my daughter, Chloe has been listening to Matilda, the Broadway recording of Matilda nonstop. And I like, like, I really like that show, but I think heavyweights as a musical would both be appealing to the nostalgia because, you know, the people who grew up watching these movies are now the people generating this content and making these adaptations happen. So I don't know that I would necessarily go with a film. I, if I was going to do something else, possibly a series, but 
I think a Broadway, a Broadway musical, you've got your great, like you've already got a big over the top cartoonish villain who it's very much like Matilda in that, you know, in Matilda, you have the Trunchbull, uh, Miss Trunchbull and, you know, in heavyweights, you, you know, you have that tyrannical adult and then you have the more, you know, sensitive, caring adults. And I think there's plenty of room in here for some funny. So imagine the musical number where they're all pulling the candy out from in, from their beds oh my God. and the mattresses. <laughs> and, like, just imagine that done, you know, Broadway. So that's, that's my, that's my pick. That. That's my pick. That Heavyweights like, uh, musical. I think that's like the big fantasy was part of the fantasy for watching it was that there's like these hidden spaces to put fill with candy and junk food and stuff. Yeah. And, and yeah. like the scene where they, they just go crazy and <laughs> eat everything. Oh yeah. Um, and then, you know, they're not just eating, they're singing too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I, I, I agree with you, Dan. I think that's really the only way to do it. Otherwise <laughs> it's, you, you know, you can't remake it as, you know, you couldn't, it would have, because first of all, the fat camp is like somewhat, it's kind of like gay conversion therapy camp or something mm-hmm. at this point where it's like, would be considered almost like torture to the kids. Child like abuse. It wasn't, yeah. Child abuse. Like if it wasn't like done in a very specific way, like you wouldn't even, cons- is it even ethical to like send a kid to a shack in let me say this. This is kind of uh, off the topic of how I'd remake this, but uh, I watched a a reality TV look at a fat camp from like 1997 that was on MTV. Oh, was it like on Made or something like that? I forget. It's like an I hour like- long. It's on. It's on YouTube, and it is wild, dude. I know it what is you're like talking the, about. It is a wild scene, um, <laughs> and like. I, that was crazy, but I don't, they couldn't do when they, sh- they showed the stuff that they were doing. I'm like, I, they wouldn't do any of this no. stuff nowadays. Like it wouldn't be like that at all. And watching so many of these scenes from the, like, you know, perspective of, a uh, you know, educator and thinking about just the regulations and what would qualify. And like, there, there's a lot of things uh, that will not lose you your job, but there were so many things where I was like, Oh my God, if I said that to a kid, I'd be fired Terrible. the next minute. Yeah. Yeah. But there was no oversight. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was a it was a different time. Yeah. So the the only thing yeah. that I was thinking so the movie starts where Jerry's like at school and it's like the last day of school and he's getting picked on by some kids and he has like one friend who's wearing a mean people suck shirt, which first of all, it's the 90s. Hello. <laughs> and I would maybe want to see what happened to that kid that summer? Like maybe <laughs> that kid goes off to like some other kind of. That camp. kid got laid a lot. <laughs> is he summer. like super skinny? The other kid? I think so. I don't remember him that well. All I remember is the Mean People Suck shirt, and I was just like, "That's right, we got the Bodines playing. This is perfect." This movie reminded me also a lot of the movie. Uh, there was another movie from the '90s with like a, a heavy kid. Uh, was like Angus. Angus. It reminded me a lot of Angus. <laughs> How do we know like exactly? Okay. You could have been talking about any movie, by the Angus. way. Angus. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it was that movie with that Green Day song. Oh, Angus. Oh, yeah. Angus. <laughs> <laughs> so that was another one that I caught a million times because it was like on our, it was when I was in college and it was like on our, our TV channel that they showed like six movies the whole month. So you oh saw them God. all like a hundred times. <laughs> and so that was one of them. We like watched it a million times and, and we were like, it 
stupid as hell. I mean, it's like this, like same old dumb stuff that we saw it a hundred times. I don't know how I remember this. Did you go to school in Scranton? Yeah. How did I know that? Yeah. I don't know. Good memory. Yeah. Weird. I'm trying to remember that movie. And I I just, I remember seeing with him like sitting on the roof and there's George C. Scott. Yeah. George C. Scott was his father. It's a weird movie. It wasn't like George. It might've been George C. Scott's last movie. Might have oh been. really, man? Yeah. What yeah. a legacy! So, any other thoughts about about how we would kick heavyweights back into the into the, the present day? I don't know if you could do heavyweights, yeah. but I mean, you, you could you, maybe you could do it as a period piece. Ooh! In that way, you could poke fun at all of the the like you could over you know once you get kids go play in those rapids over there or like jump <laughs> yeah. off this cliff or whatever. Like, I think, like, it would be like, you know, uh, Action Park or something, oh, where it's just like, right. they don't care at all. They would just let the kids do whatever, and it would be ridiculous in that way. Did you guys see the, like, Action Park movie that came out, like, a the, year or two ago? The Adventure Johnny Knoxville? Johnny Knoxville's yeah. in it. I didn't yeah, see I that. I never saw it, yeah. I didn't see it, but I think there's also a documentary about oh, it. There's for sure a documentary. Yeah, it's definitely like there, a but... book. Yeah. 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 New Jersey's crazy, man. Yeah, that so, was wild. Like that was a very unsafe place. For we never went. Yeah, I don't think yeah, we ever we went. Never I, went. I, I asked to go because they had commercials, but I was. Right. They were like, You're I remember the little. commercials. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember the commercials, but. Yeah. So yeah, you brought up like the the period piece, and it's just bringing me back to different ways, different things you can do with the musical. What a wonderful way to bring in so many '90s styles. I am picturing a boy band. I'm picturing all these kids doing like a like like new Dancing kids on the chairs. block, color me bad type mm. thing. Uh, uh, it would be like uh, just what's that? Justin in sync. Yeah. 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 So anyway, yeah, now I really want this to happen. So Okay, well, let's start right. writing it. Once, once we can do so. Yeah, by the time we can have theater again, uh yeah, it'll you'll be finish done. it. So So yeah. uh so let's let's talk a little bit about Child Star. I loved it. I you know, I breezed through it in like a day. It's uh I couldn't put it down. And so I my background is in like nonfiction television and this reads like you're watching a documentary mm-hmm. and some of the details that you have in there are so perfect. You know, the guy who's vaping or just like the cutaway yeah. shots that you will include as panels uh, are just so perfect. I love like yeah. all those little touches. So uh, thank you for that. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah. And I and I really liked the um, the author's note at the end. I thought that that was um, yeah. My really... publisher like was like wanted me to put in a note at the end about it. It wasn't my idea, but I was like, all right. Oh, I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I connected to that. Like reading, reading. I I have yet to read the book, but because uh, my copy is on route, and John yeah. shared with me the uh, just the author's note, and I connected to that sense of like how we watched these kids grow up and we watched their lives and we almost wanted their lives and we wanted the the simplicity of those lives and and feeling that almost that envy like oh man like yeah geez i wish i was in the hogan family yeah well too bad you never ran into anthony lapaglia on the street <laughs> he would have told you how to do it um, i mean missed we would like i would like copy stuff i saw on tv all the time like say the same jokes or try to like somehow maneuver myself into the same situations, like all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, so, so the book really talks about 
you know, it's a character who's very Gary Coleman inspired, you know, a, a kid who's much older than they appear so they can, mm-hmm. you know, play this this childlike role who has this mm-hmm. crazy catchphrase and the show goes into a lot of like very serious directions because of government influences and things <laughs> like that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like, were you watching a lot of TV shows and movies with child stars while you were working on oh, this? Oh yeah, uh, before I started working, really, mm-hmm. um, it was like uh, a lot of different strokes. But then I found that like the idea that a child like looks was like playing older than they actually looked was like incredibly common among child actors. Emmanuel Lewis, Emmanuel Lewis and Gary Coleman, but also like even Macaulay Culkin was like 40 pounds underweight when he was playing in Home Alone. So he was like looked much younger than he actually was. And it allows and almost all child actors are like that because it allows them to play younger roles at a better, a higher level. Um, If you have a five year old playing a three year old, like an actual three-year-old can't really act and like they can't really do the things, but a five-year-old can. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I think a lot of these, a lot that happens. That's like supremely common among child actors is to be, to look young. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, you and I both have three-year-olds. They can't act for shit. Yeah. (laughs) No, there's no way. (laughs) Oh, just wait till they turn six. But Dan, yeah. Chloe, forget it. Chloe is quite, Chloe is always on, like one of the things that I've started saying to her is like, we don't need the show right now. Yeah. Talk about being captive by programming. Anytime we FaceTime with her and she starts busting into a song, we know we're stuck for a few minutes. (laughs) Oh yeah. What is she? Yeah. It's, it's hilarious because she'll go, sometimes you have to get a little bit naughty. It's it's so like just the lyrics between the words she makes up, the words that she kind of gets, and then the words that she just will scream at you. <laughs> so, uh, so Brian, another thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I, you know, I'm not just, we didn't just have you on just to praise you about this kind of stuff, but I love the attention to detail in some of your pages where it's like the TV guide listings. Oh yeah. yeah. And it's like, that brought me back so hard where it's just like, that is exact. Did you like have TV guide in front of you and just like copy? Yeah. So I had a bunch of TV guides. Oh um, my God. And one of the things I did in the book a bunch was like, I wanted it to appear to be like a real thing. And so right. one of the things I had read this comic called the art of the art of Charlie Chen, Hawk Chai by Sonny Liu. And in that book, he, he like makes a fake history about his real grandfather huh. and it's a comic, but it's also has like, it almost looks like a textbook. There's real photographs and stuff like that. And it makes it really feel like a real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was like trying to do that. Like I did the, the lunchbox was like a real thing. Yeah. And then I like got into like making actual objects for a while. Like, Oh, that's cool. So, because I wanted it to, I called them uh, artifacts. Like I wanted yeah. to have like real artifacts from the, the thing. No. Yeah. And it really helps the book. I think, uh, I don't know. Keep it, really visually interesting because it's not what you expect because every page you're going to find something really crazy like another one is this page that's the variety magazine and Mm -hmm. i wanted to point out this one because dan there is a so this is a this would take place in 1985 with this variety pages and uh, the number one movie in the box office is police academy three back to work 
So, and then there's like a whole article about how Police Academy <laughs> is going to have one more movie and how they're like, oh, we'll probably just have a bunch more too. And I love it because as we know. Awesome. Yeah. So, and also, awesome. uh, Brian, uh, a project that Dan and I are are slowly working on is um, a, a limited podcast series called Podlease Academy. <laughs> that is uh, about the Police Academy movies, but also is designed to raise awareness of police brutality and police wrongdoings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and provides and and points out how the Police Academy movies have some pretty uh, good, some pretty solid examples of uh, progressive and effective policing. It's true. Um, Citizens on Patrol, baby. Um, <laughs> those movies were... So you like, there's no other special. series like that where it was They're their like, own genre. Yeah, it is. It's like its own genre Although, of film. They are kind of like the the camp. Like they're kind of like those summer camp movies where you've right. got like a bunch of misfits and then you've just got like one ensemble cast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and talking about Revenge of the Nerds, too, going yeah. back to Ski Patrol. Also, you know, Ski Patrol is the police academy on the slopes, and <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. So it's just like you just take the same types of people and put them into their different situations, and and magic happens, baby. Mm-hmm. Every time, yeah. So Brian, the the only other one that I think ties into stuff that we've talked about before is uh, your Andre the Giant book, which. Uh, We've only touched on them in our Princess Bride episode, really, I think. Right, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's quite possible I would have brought up Andre and other... Yeah, I love... God, love pour one out. Pour a big one out for Andre the Giant. I know, no uh, kidding. You got to pour out like 40 for Andre. Just keep pouring. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean... Yeah, researching that must have been... Must have been fun. It was... um, It was like how I got... uh, it It kind of like stemmed from these these like type of interviews that they started doing in the late night or the late nineties and early two thousands where they would interview old pro wrestlers to go through their whole career out of character mm. where they would tell all the behind the scenes stuff. And I oh, became shoot, like obsessed. shoot videos, shoot interviews. Yeah. Yeah. So I became obsessed with those for a while and, and it eventually became the under the giant book because like I'd watched like, you know, probably 20 of them and like all of them, talk about andre the Um, iron chic shoot videos are probably my favorite are they are they coherent at all enough it's coherent (laughs) enough where you can get yeah enough out it's like oh geez he's talking to effing someone in the ass i don't i don't know what he's oh danny hodge what (laughs) um (laughs) danny hodge yeah but yeah, I as a as a wrestling fan, I particularly have been interested in the stories about Andre and I was I thought uh later on that I should have done an uh, an episode of the this TV show in Child Star where Andre was a guest star. Like, oh. I should have drawn that. It would have been well, that, so good. Your crossover. Well, and that yeah. and I feel like a lot of people would have probably oh like how Vader was on Boy Meets World. Uh, yeah, it would have made sense entirely because like Andre was in a ton of shows for one thing. Yeah, right. Uh, not so much in that in the eighties, but a lot in the seventies. And like in the in that variety page, there's like a they say that there was a guest star, a wrestling guest star but it was sergeant slaughter oh but it but he just like references it that i never like actually show the the yeah. episode no but that's i sorry i just instantly flashed back to seeing episodes of boy meets world and uh 
Vader playing, I forget the, oh, the yeah. character. Oh, yeah, he played a wrestler. Father. Yeah. yeah. Right, um, right, right, right. Um, Andre was in an episode of a French-Canadian sitcom in the 80s that's not really well-known because French-Canadian. And uh, he every joke is like just about how he's huge. Like, <laughs> he sits on the one side of the couch and, like, the other person's on the other side of this just like... Burr. Oh, like, like this flying in the air. Yeah, I'm imagining yeah, yeah. him. I'm imagining him going, "What happened?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all. It's really cheesy, but I was like, oh, I should have done that because I knew about it for a while. Like, I could have totally made that one of the shows Owen Eugene is in. Yeah, but I probably bet. I mean, I probably bet that all the time you think about things that oh, you could have put in. And, as soon yeah. as the book is over, as soon as it comes out, I'm like, damn, I should have done this. I should have done this. I should have done that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I loved it. I, I thought it was great, uh, Andre or not. But yeah, uh, and yeah. I, I think I saw. Was there is there stuff going on with the Tetris book that's new? There's uh, is there a movie Tetris. Uh, so there is a Tetris movie coming out, but it's that has nothing to do with my book. So there's oh. I think two Tetris projects because I think there's like a British company making a, a Tetris like movie about like the history of Tetris, but there's definitely also a project where it's like. Tetris pieces are aliens falling from space. Oh, so like Battleship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think there's definitely a, a, somebody trying to do something like Battleship. Oh my god! Well. Didn't they learn their lesson from the movie Battleship? That, anything that has idea. any kind of anything that has like a native fan base, they could make it into a movie. I, I don't know. If, I didn't know Battleship did, but. Uh, well, well, since we're talking about Battleship so much on this episode, I want to talk <laughs> about one thing that happens. Well, so one thing that happens in Battleship several times within like a minute. So there's a, a little montage sequence of all of the like the young whatever Navy people that are, you know, in their battleships and they bring on the like elders, the, you know, the old retired war hero people from like the Navy and Marines and stuff. And they're on these battleships and there's this montage of them, like getting the ships ready to fight against the aliens. And within this like minute and a half montage, they say, let's rock and roll like 30 times. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when, when, when you were talking about the, uh, you know, like the what the veterans coming on coming yeah. on board. I just imagine them saluting a very old General Milton Bradley, oh. and as yeah. a, yeah. a nudge, nudge, <laughs> wink, wink. Of I also think there's a lot of potential for a hungry, hungry hippos movie where it's like giant hungry, hungry hippos, and they're just devouring cities. And yeah, got to get the rock in there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah as long hungry, as it has hungry. the rock, yeah, right. Four giant hippos and the rock, and we're good. So, so Brian, what is going on with with Tetris? Because I think you, I saw you posting something. It's, did did oh, it get released the, in a different the, language uh, or something? Oh yeah, the Brazilian edition came out finally. Cool. Um, so what happened? It was supposed to come out in like April or something, and I was supposed to go to Brazil to like do all these events, but that obviously got canceled. Um, and then so they sent me all these book plates to sign. And I signed like a thousand book plates and mailed them back to Brazil. And it took since April till now, they finally just got it. Wow. It was in customs like the whole time. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, the, the Brazilian edition of Tetris is out from uh, Mino editions. Well, to all of our listeners in Brazil, <laughs> you know what you're doing. It's also out in English. <laughs> but it has been serious. for a long time. Yeah. So. 
we were just talking about uh, video games. Let's talk about what we're going to do on our next episode, Dan. Yeah. So for our next episode, we are perhaps the quintessential video game movie, 1989's The Wizard. Yeah. Not a movie based on a video game, but a movie starring Nintendo and yes. Fred Savage <laughs> and Christian Slater. And, and Christian Bo- Slater and Bo Bridges. Jenny Lewis. Jenny Lewis. Quite, quite a cast. Yeah, um, I'm really excited. Jackie Vincent. Child who I, Rain Man. Yeah. Child. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, we were Child talking about Rain Boy Man. Meets World. We've got a Savage. We've got Fred That's Savage. right. So, We've uh, got a Savage. And we're going to be joined by another hometown homie, Jeff Rubin. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes. So excited about that. Brian, before we uh, before we hang it up, is there anything you wanted to, to mention before we get going? Uh, no, just check out my Twitter at Box Brown and Instagram and check out Child Star and my other books and stuff. And that's all. Is there another uh, artist or series of books or, or anything that you would like to promote that's not anything you're you're dealing with? Maybe just something you're a big fan of? Just something that I'm interested in? Yeah. Let me think. Um, what have I been doing lately? Uh, not too much. Oh, well, I, I let me just promote, I don't know, this uh, website, this YouTube channel I've been watching a lot of lately called Defunct Land. Um, and it's about a lot of old Disney stuff and a lot of just old, old amusement parks. And it just gives you these... Uh, Long these histories of different amusement parks and stuff. Cool. But I find them interesting. Right on. Dan, anything cool. you want to uh, talk about before we uh, get going? Uh, yeah, just um, I will share that I have been watching the Netflix documentary series Fear City. Almost said Fun City, but Fear City about New York City's uh, and the FBI's attempt to bring down the mafia during the 1970s and 1980s. It is fascinating. I'm hooked into it. It's like real life Goodfellas and The Godfather, but 10 times crazier. So just something totally different and unrelated to anything that we've talked about today. Yeah. Other than The Sopranos. So yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Check it out. Fear City on Netflix. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I just want to recommend that everyone check out a double feature of just one of the guys in Battleship. (laughs) Why not? I can't Why I can't not? comment on Battleship, but just one of the guys is a fantastic eighties movie. It's classic. Yeah, so turn on your HBO at three PM today and uh, <laughs> see what as we used to say, what rocks on the H. What rocks on P-H? the H? I had a total recall of wow. of that being said at one point. So Okay. Yeah. So uh so Brian, we we close out our episodes with a, a classic line from the Masters of the Universe feature film good journey good journey good journey <laughs> all right guys let's sing the inspiring camp hope song what do you say ah oh, oh, come on here we go camp hope camp hope we sing to thee come on guys sing the greatest camp in history a place for boys oh, all on, saints Tim, that sounds boring sing something cool you want to hear something cool okay cats let's rock it Camp Hope, Camp Hope, the place for boys. We got no girls, we got no toys, the monks are hard.